Hello and welcome to Team Nori's High Bar Podcast, Episode 4. I am Chance Mitchell, uh, and today I actually will not be on this episode. Um, this will be an interview, uh, our second interview of the series with Michael Jin and Jaren Yamane. So this will be, I think this will be our second. We still have Aiden and um, Eric and Sean's still to go. But I really wanted to get this to you guys before uh, the start of the new year. Um, hopefully everybody has a great new year, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, it turned out really great, so hopefully you guys enjoy. All right, guys. Uh, today I'm joined by Jaron, another one, uh, one of our fellow coaches on Team Nori. Uh, Jaron was actually one of the coaches that uh, I, myself, Michael, and Serene at the time were the first uh, three coaches uh, that came on board Team Nori. Um, it's mm -hmm. been an exciting journey to, to work with Jaron, um, and Serene now is uh, pursuing her PhD, uh, so she's no longer with us, but, you know, we're still all in contact, and uh, we really appreciated kind of, you know, the, the start of building together what Team Nori is today. So, you know, Jaron, first of all, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, how are you doing so far, man? Absolutely, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, today went well. I mean, didn't really do much. Just went to the gym, got something to eat, came back, and Excited to be on the podcast, man. Great. And, and for those of you guys that don't know, Jaron actually lives in Hawaii, uh, and I myself live in Houston, Texas. So Jaron and I do have quite a bit of a, a time zone difference. So right now it's like evening time for me. For Jaron, it's probably like the middle of the day, like a little bit afternoon. So yeah. that's, that's it's always a, a tough kind of finding good times for us to all, you know, not impede on each other's uh, schedules. But, you know, today uh, I'm going to get the opportunity to share with you guys a little bit about uh, Jaron, his background, kind of how he got into coaching. Um, similar to our previous episode where I, I got to share a little bit about one of our other coaches, Chance Mitchell. So, yeah, Jaren, so the first thing I, I'm, I'm just curious about is, you know, on, on our team, you're kind of the smiley, bubbly guy. I think every time we, we get onto some of our meetings and our calls, um, I feel like uh, you always uh, have a, a smile on your face and, you know, you really liven up kind of the room for us. So, you know, I'm curious when you were growing up, what was it kind of the same for you? Were you, were you a really bubbly, eager kid or were you kind of awkward? Like, what were you what was Jaren like as a kid? Damn, that's a good that's a good start off question, bro. Um, I would say I've, I've always kind of been this way. Yeah, I've always been the, the happy guy. I've always kind of been the nice guy. Um, I would say more so, yeah, like in middle school and like high school, when you really start, you know, coming out and, and finding out who you are. Um, yeah, I've always been kind of known as just the happy, nice guy. So uh, just just comes naturally. And I think just in general, people in Hawaii are very nice. So uh, when I go I up to mainland or, uh, you know, California, whatever it may be, and people talk to me, they're always like, oh, wow, you're so nice. And I'm like. <laughs> this is normal yeah, zebra, yeah. <laughs> well uh do so, you have yeah. do you have siblings i do i do have an older brother uh -huh. um he is three years older than me uh both born and raised in hawaii um and both grew up here went to college here um but he was looking for you know just to do something different so mm -hmm. three or four years back he actually moved to seattle oh wow uh, just, uh, yeah get out of his comfort zone a little bit uh, be in a different environment, you know, and yeah, he's been loving it ever since. Definitely a big change mm -hmm. in Hawaii. It's nice and sunny and, you know, weather's stable all the time. It's rainy have, over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Very gloomy, very rainy. You know, they have, uh, in the winter times, the sun sets very early and in the summer times, sunsets pretty late, like eight, eight thirty, nine 9 PM. So yeah, uh, 
Yeah, it's crazy, man. When I uh, went, I was I was blown away. I was like, what in the world? What is going I, on? We're getting yeah. we're getting dessert at like 9 p.m. and it was <laughs> right outside. Dang. I, I got lucky when I actually the first time, the first and only time I got to go to Seattle with my girlfriend. Um, it was actually sunny and the weather was really mm-hmm. nice. And, and my friend I was visiting there, he was like, You guys got lucky. Like these two days you're here, like it's actually not raining. So I think mm-hmm. I got I got a, a nice taste of Seattle while I was there. Um Nice. but that's awesome man like with with, uh, with your family kind of what's like the family dynamic like are, are are your parents like i know traditionally both 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 of us would identify as you know asian american i would say and mm-hmm. traditionally i think asian households or families are strict conservative you know like the parents are not really your buddy or your friend you know they're their mom or their dad and they're the kind of the authority mm-hmm. figure in your household what was it like oh it was uh we we're very we're very close yeah um, cause I think there is for sure, like, I know people who have that traditional Asian household, but in Hawaii, the household, like family is big down here. Mm. Family is huge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, growing up, I had amazing parents. Um, I mostly lived with my mom, uh, it was me, my mom and my brother, but yeah, she was, I mean, she's amazing, you know, very loving, very compassionate, uh, very much tried to keep us together and, and make sure that everyone was close and, um, yeah, man, she she did a lot for us. So it, it definitely wasn't that very strict, you know, just I guess kind of distant relationship. Yeah. We were very, very close, man. And she's that's very, awesome. Yeah, she's super supportive, uh, supports me in everything that I do. So family is very, very important to me. And yeah, I, I would I, say it's the oh sorry, go ahead. I, I feel like I've noticed that uh, about you, not not just the, I mean, you've said uh, for people in Hawaii, it's like a big thing, but definitely like even in our team, uh, for, for those of you guys listening, Jaren's always been kind of, uh, I guess the trademark of like loyalty or, you know, teamwork. And, and I think in a team, like being cohesive and having other people you can rely on where it's not like your coworker and it's more like, this is like, this is like your brother in, in arms, you know, that that's what yeah. makes the team uh, synergize and just work together really well. Every time, I've gotten an opportunity to either talk or work with Jaron. You know, it's been it's been a, a pleasure of an experience. And I think uh, we always leave with just a positive attitude. And I think it makes it to where, you know, the work doesn't feel as much of a grind. And it seems like, you know, you're, you're starting from your mom, your brother, you know, just the community around you. Like you've had that instilled into you from, from an early age, would you say? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, definitely the way that I was raised and the values and respect that I was taught at a very young age. Like I definitely uh, take that, you know, now in my adult life and uh, try to implement it into the people around me, you know, my friends, uh, people on the team, people like you and Sean and Chance and Aiden and Eric now, you know, we got a, we got a big team, man. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely, it makes me very happy to be able to bring people together, man. That's, it brings me joy. So. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. And, and, and to, I guess like, kind of like share about myself as well like I think for me growing up my parents were a lot more traditional a lot more strict Um, and I think because of of that kind of divide it always felt like you know they're mom and dad and you know they're not really like somebody I could really confide in or talk to so it really became and I was an only child so you know most of my friends kind of became my brothers growing up a lot of them I still you know keep up with to this day like friends I've had since like middle school you know high school etc but you know for, for me I feel like the fortunate thing was uh, you know our family was you know predominantly Christian and pretty religious so a lot of times like 
the thing I'm thankful for as a kid is, you know, I got to go to like either church retreats or these kind of like social type of situations where I think if I was that only child kid who was just locked up at home and like always just like had to stay home, I probably would have been a lot more socially awkward and, you know, just struggled in that sense. And I feel like a lot of other Asian American kids, I, I can kind of feel that or they, they kind of share that sentiment by the time they're in college. They're like, man, like I wasn't really prepared to really go out and talk to people uh, of my age. But I think for me, starting at an early age, because I got that exposure, I, I at least had an easier time just like talking to other kids and, and you know, being able to relate. Um, but I think I think in Hawaii and, and with your type of family dynamic, it just seems like uh, it's a lot. People are a lot more easygoing and it just seems like people in Hawaii are very friendly and just uh, easy to approach. Would you, would you say like like everybody there is like pretty like genuine and kind and friendly? Yeah, you know, I would definitely say that. Um, we definitely have, you know, our, I mean, every place has shady people. Yeah. I would say as a whole, just, yeah, how we were brought up, um, respect was big. Um, helping people out was big. Um, you know, having a good positive attitude was big. I mean, like, uh, I mean, everyone knows the word Aloha, right? Yeah. But that was, uh, yeah. I mean, there's literally songs about Aloha and like how you spread it and how you treat people. Um, so I wonder if like subconsciously growing up, listening to those songs and, you know, when we're in school, we sing those songs with each other. Uh, we have like May Day and we, mm -hmm. you know, talk about spreading aloha and, and being friendly and, and helping each other out. So I wonder if subconsciously that kind of just makes us as a as a state and as a community just want to, to do more for each other, you know, and like it's yeah. always kind of been my mindset of like if there's someone that needs help. Like, I'm always going to be there. You know, if there's anything that I can do for someone, I'm there. Like, it's no questions, no questions asked. You don't owe me anything. Like, mm. I'm here because I want to be here and, and help you out, you know? So um, I think as a whole, yeah, I would definitely say that's that's how we are as a pe as people. And um, that, that's yeah, awesome, when, we, when we go up to the mainland, like, people pretty much always say something like that. They're like, wow, you guys are so nice. You guys are so easy to talk to. And it's like. Yeah, no, we're just us, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, uh, yeah. I really, I really appreciate hearing that because uh, I think for me, I'm, I'm thankful that living in like a city like Houston, even though it's a bigger city, um, like mm -hmm. during Hurricane Harvey, like a couple years back, like one of the big things on the news was not only about like you know people struggling or the destruction from the hurricane, but people in Houston were like driving in their big trucks, like helping people, you know, like pulling people out of the water and like canoes, yeah. like people would like straight up just be like, I got nothing to do at home. Literally, we're all like flooded in. I'm gonna go help people and celebrate that live in Houston were like doing the same like sports athletes wow. and, and it was really cool to see like the city kind of come together like that um, mm -hmm. and, and and it seems like um, you know it, it'd be I don't think uh, as far as I know I, I don't think Hawaii has like any like big sports teams but do you, is there is there any teams uh, really not really bro I wish I really wish that we did yeah we don't have any professional sports teams um, and then just college I mean we have we have uh, you know our UH teams we one yeah, yeah yeah so we have football and we have basketball and volleyball and things like that um but yeah we don't we don't have any pro teams man yeah i feel like you guys would have a cult-like following if you did <laughs> yeah 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 that's awesome man well uh now, now that i kind of like heard about your background i know like as you started going to school and you know around high school or i think maybe you even mentioned it might have been in, even in middle school you said you got into wrestling right yes that's uh, well at what age did you uh start so I started in, I want to say it was middle of seventh grade, but I wasn't on a team. So I went to public school in middle school. We didn't uh -huh. have a wrestling team, but at the time my brother, 
uh, was in high school and they had a wrestling team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of just following in my brother's footsteps and, you know, going to his competition and things like that, I would see what wrestling is like. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very intense. Um, what I really liked about it was, I mean, yeah, just the intensity and just being one-on-one with someone, you know, there's no one to fall back on. Yeah. It's on you, you know, you're out there by yourself, but when you go back, you know, you have a whole team behind you. Like there, you're really are doing it for a bigger purpose. You know, you're out there on the mat by yourself, but you're a part of a big team. And, you know, when you have duels, um, you're trying to score as much points for yeah. the team, right? You're trying to beat the other school. So I really like that. I like both aspects of it. Um, and I think kind of just how I am as a person, I like to be accountable for for myself. So it's like, if I, if I win or if I lose, it's yeah. all on, you know, no one, no one to blame, no one, whatever. So, um, yeah, I really, you know, that really drew me in. Um, so middle of seventh grade, I started kind of just going around the, the workout room, but yeah, uh, not that, that was like with your older brother or like, was it yep. like at a, at a gym or something, or he just kind of was like, Hey, you want to like practice with me or like, what, what was mm-hmm. it like? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty much, and he would do, so it was kind of like I would go to the practice room sometimes. And then, um, you know, at night he would go on runs with some of uh-huh. his wrestling friends and he'd be like, you want to come along? And I was like, yeah, sure. So, you know, I'd go on runs, I do extra workouts with them. Um, and then eighth grade, I pretty much got like a waiver to be able to train with the team. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I wrestled in eighth grade. Um, and then when I got to high school, I was like on the actual team. Yeah. Uh, so wrestled ninth grade, 10th grade, missed 11th grade and wrestled 12th. And the reason huh. was I actually got injured. Um, oh, man. So, yeah. Well, actually, was my, high school, uh, my high school wrestling career, yeah, I kind of had quite a few injuries. Um, so it was my sophomore year and I got a concussion like midway through the season. Dang. Um, and, you know, concussions, it was pretty bad. Uh, but I tried to just, I was super stubborn. I was like, I'm gonna try to come back as, as fast as I can. Yeah. I'm gonna like, you know, just try to make like, I'm totally good. So yeah, they were like, okay, you got to sit out X amount of time, but I tried to come back much sooner than I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got another concussion and pretty much I was out for the season, but because I had so many, uh, pretty, you know, back to back exactly. Yeah. yeah. Significant concussions. And they're like mild ones, but the ones mm-hmm. that I had were pretty significant. And if you don't give yourself a lot of time to recover, you can get another one a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got, I think it was two or three that season and you just got down. taken down really hard. And then like, got... yeah, like just like hit my head. Oh, <laughs> so, you, yeah. know, you know, it reminds me of the UFC because like, I'm sure if, if you've watched, uh, if anybody gets like a technical knockout or a knockout, mm-hmm. like, or they get knocked out, there's like a minimum time that the state athletic commission like tells them you can't fight because obviously they got mm-hmm. knocked out. And I think uh, one fight it, it, it uh, makes me remember is a, a guy named Gray Maynard. He was kind of like an up and coming oh, guy back in the day. Yes. He had taken a guy yeah. down, uh, Rob Emerson, and it was like a finale mm-hmm. of like their show. And uh, Rob was tapping because he was in pain, but then Gray knocked himself out because he took him down. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the heck? This is such a crazy scenario. Uh, and I remember yeah. seeing that i was like wow like that can actually happen so yeah, yeah i mean dude. it sucks to hear that that uh you, you have to go through the concussions man no yeah it's okay but i i do know exactly what you're talking about man because he was out he was yeah out, out. and like they joe rogan even like 
was like, dude, you're out. I put him on blast. He was like, no, you're out. Like, there's no winner. Gray was like, no, like, like I wasn't out. But it's like, clearly you were out, man. Yeah, he's like, no, see, I roll over and I'm good. And they show the replay and he's completely out. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy, man. I know. Yeah. Um, in in so, high school, would you say you identified as like a wrestler? Because like I know, like uh, for for those of you guys listening, I wrestled in high school as well. I wrestled all four years, and obviously during high school, I definitely saw myself as like, yeah, I love wrestling. Like I'm a wrestler, etc. And that's that's what I identified as. Well, what about yourself? Exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Oh, but yeah, but kind of going back to the to the, you know, high school career, I guess. Um, so yeah, I was out my, uh, my sophomore year and I had to take a year off my junior year yeah. and then I wrestled my, my senior year, but I would for sure identify myself as a wrestler. And I feel like a lot of times people who wrestle, it, you, you kind of do just do that because it, it really, um, you really have to dedicate yourself to it, you know? Mm. So if you're dedicating yourself and really putting your heart and soul into it, it, it kind of becomes a part of you, you know, in terms of all of the the hard practices. I'm sure a lot of times you guys did like two or three a days, um, cutting weight, dropping crazy, crazy weight. You know, um, we would kind of like cheat our hydration tests too. So for those of you guys who don't know, uh, in wrestling, you do like a hydration test at the start of the season. Um, and you weigh in and they take your, your body fat percentage and you also pee to make sure that you're you're, that you're hydrated. And based off of those values, they'll tell you how much you can actually drop for the season so that it's safe. Some of my teammates didn't do that. <laughs> so I, I think we, some we, of my we, guys, we, they we, would just like yeah. shoot their gut out because we did the, the like, fat oh. caliper skin test. Uh, so they'd kind of like act like they were bloated so that the skin test would pinch more like skin oh, but then they would gosh. like skew the readings for the the person taking the test and honestly i don't think they even really cared so then they would they would make it seem like they're like two percent body fat heavier or like more mm. had more body fat and then they would get more wiggle room uh, to cut that extra weight what did right, you guys do right, right. um i don't want to snitch but <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say any names <laughs> okay, okay okay yeah yeah but some yeah you know so, some of them we we were we tried to you know Kind of, kind of do whatever we could to, to make sure that we're dropping weight. But anyway, uh, yeah, with all of those things, and you know, when when weighing comes around, like you're not eating, you're not. We definitely didn't do it in like a a smart scientific way. It was kind yeah. of like, yeah, some of my teammates would fluctuate like ten pounds. You know, like they would compete, um, or they would weigh in and then compete, and then they eat up, and the next day they're like ten pounds heavier, and they're like, oh fuck. I got to yeah. drop 10 pounds by next weekend. Jeez. You know, and, uh, yeah, we didn't do water loads. We didn't, I mean, that's super. Yeah, I didn't know about that. that either. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know shit about that. So we would just literally just not eat and not drink and just run and, you know, lay ourselves up, go to the sauna, do extra practices, whatever spit, you know, yeah, whatever we could to just make the weight. Yeah. It was, uh, so, you know, when you go through that, it's it's very hard to not be like, you know, this is who I am and this is what I really love to do. Because I think just the nature of the sport kind of weeds people out who don't, who are, are not really there for it, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, it is very, it's very intense. Practices are very intense. So um, I would say the people who stay, um, it becomes a part of them. And um, I think what definitely helped for me too is in my practice room, we had uh, pretty much some of the most decorated wrestlers to come out of Hawaii. Like my immediate training partner, uh, Josh Tarau, he was a four-time state champ in wrestling. 
oh, and a four-time state champion judo. And uh, I think he was the first one to do it. He was the first like eight-time state. Seems champion. like seems like uh, that's yeah. a very tough accolade to have. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so and you know we had another one of my teammates that was one year younger than me. He was like the U.S judo representative at world so he was like wow. super high level he's always been competing at a high level from a young age um, we had a lot of state placers and state champions in our room um, in our school practice room um, and then outside in our club practice we had like yeah a ton of state champions pretty much the top wrestlers from hawaii um, another one of my teammates that we we're really close to that were he was three years older than me he actually wrestled in d1 and became all-american um, that, that and and crazy. you know I think people don't realize how much of an accomplishment that is because college wrestling is literally at a whole nother level than high school, man. Like, it, it is so tough and at a D one level too. like, at, at the, yeah. like the best of the best come in. If he was like, you know, ranked and, and not only ranked, but you know, one that that is like yes. truly like, like he's pretty much at an Olympic level at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just unbelievable. I don't know if you, Ooh, excuse me. I don't know if you um, kind of kept up with like the NCAA, man, this was maybe back in 2016, 2015 uh -huh. around that time, but like Nathan Tomasello and like Jesse Delgado and stuff, he was a 125 yeah. pounder, but he, he placed fourth that year. Um, his name is David Terrell, man, just unbelievable. Super it's so nice cool to, to see like some of your former teammates like excel and, you know, be, yes. be at that point, you know, and, yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. To share with you, it's a little embarrassing, but like for in Texas, like football is really big, obviously. Wrestling mm -hmm. is decently big, but uh, mm -hmm. like a lot of schools, if they're smaller, they don't even have a wrestling program. Uh, mm -hmm. Where I grew up in Dallas, it was pretty common. In Houston, I found out that a lot of schools don't actually have it. It's like very select schools that have a bigger program. Um, but in, in our school, like our, our coach, like I love the guy. And, and you know, if, if He's probably would never listen to, you know, this podcast, but if coach Sean Smith is out there for some reason, listening in, you know, I'm, I miss him and I wonder how he's doing, but he, Aww. he was a, he was a strange guy. Like I think his, his, his methods were definitely a lot more old school. And gotcha. I feel like back then our team was more like, you know, I, I, I zoned into like a nicer school. Like I, my family wasn't super well off, but we, I was able to go to like a nicer public school and most of the kids there, they didn't wrestle because they were like, yeah, I'm going to go to college for this, or they really love it. Some of them just did it just because they were like, I got nothing else to do, so I might as well try it. Um, and, you know, a lot of the kids would get cut from the team because coach was like, your hair's too long. If you're not going to cut it, you're off. <laughs> Uh, like if, if some kids, if they were late, he was like, you're off the team. And like, he was, wow. he was pretty strict, but he was strict with stuff like that, but he wasn't really as hard on us when it came to like training. Like we trained hard, but I don't really like, I don't feel like he really put in the effort to like start like a middle school program or like give us after school type of practices. We didn't really have anything like that, nor were we allowed to even go use the room. That's why when you told me wow. as a seventh and eighth grader, you even got like a waiver in eighth grade to go practice. I couldn't yeah. even imagine uh, having done that. Now the next coach, when I graduated, my close friend who was a year younger, he graduated. The year after, we had this guy who was like, you know, state champion, collegiate level wrestler, uh, mm -hmm. was it wrestled Division One. He came and he transformed wow. the program. Like now we have multiple state champions coming out of the school. Like I look at our our Facebook page for the the team, and all the kids look like studs. Like they're all doing really wow. well. They started in middle school to recruit and start, you know, giving the kids like a a pathway to pretty much get into the high school scene. Um, but like in, in Texas, like some schools, the program's decent, other schools, it's just not really that developed. Um, I think in our area, Allen high school was like the biggest They They pretty much were like the size of like 
three big high schools merged into one and they had like over a hundred uh, roster, you know, team. They, they had so many kids. They had a varsity A team and they had a varsity B team and their varsity <laughs> B team was still beating a lot of the schools. Uh, and, oh, no and they way. weren't even their starters, you know, they were their second string. And then they had their JV team who were still really good because <laughs> they had like wow. so many kids. And I was like, man, most of the state champs from Texas, they all come from Allen. Like if you look at all the brackets, you see all the mm -hmm. Allen kids like making it to the finals and you're just like, man, can it like finally not be someone from that school? But, uh, and mm -hmm. I think they had a good football program as well. So like, unfortunately when, when I, got out of like wrestling. Like I enjoyed it, but I don't think I took it as seriously as I should have. I, I, I was more into MMA at the time and I was like really watching mm -hmm. UFC and getting into that. But wrestling, I was just like, yeah, oh, this is fun, but it's kind of hard. So I feel like I, I, I started really getting into, <laughs> you know, lifting instead. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. So my, my, yeah. my uh, goals kind of split, but, you know, I think both of us, you know, we've really taken away from that background, like, you know, that competitive spirit or just that grit of, of being a wrestler and, and kind of transferring that into into power thing. So, you know, throughout that process, like when did you start really touching weights and getting into powerlifting? What was that first discovery for you of getting into the sport? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started, let's see, I started working out when I was maybe like in sixth grade. I couldn't go to the gym at the time. So I'll just oh. do like push-ups and stuff. I was a little, <laughs> I was I got pretty chunky. So I was like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta this work way. out. I gotta lose yeah. some weight. Yeah. So I started running. Um, I started you know, doing pushups and, and whatever. Um, so yeah, when I was eight, when I was of age to go to the gym, I think that was seventh grade. So I yeah. would just kind of go consistently just to, just to get in better shape, just to get stronger. And then, um, yeah, I don't know why, but I never really did legs. I just did all upper body, which <laughs> I think, I think that's the, what most people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's but pretty it, much what I did. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any sense though. Cause for wrestling, you need strong legs, you know, like upper, like bench pressing is not really going to help you much. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why I did that, but anyway, pretty much all throughout high school, I was, uh, I was lifting weights and, um, you know, in the off season and when we were in season, it was mostly just wrestling. And if I was going to the gym, it would be kind of light stuff. Um, I think what drew me towards powerlifting. Okay. So backtracking a little bit, my senior year, um, I also was not able to wrestle at States because I got injured. Oh, crazy, bro. Crazy. So, um, yeah, it was like two weeks before the qualifying or might've been a week before the qualifying, uh, competition to make yeah. it to States. Um, I was wrestling and, and practicing with, uh, my partner, Josh, the one that I was talking about. Um, I was circling towards one side and he foot swept me, but my foot also got caught on the mat. So I fell over it and I tore two ligaments in my ankle. Dang. Um, and I was like, bro, I was, yeah, I was, I was hard. Freak accident. Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, you know, we tried to do everything that we could. Uh, I think they said the recovery time was like, okay, you're going to be like four weeks in a boot and then like six, like four to six or eight weeks to recover. And then yeah. you can you know, get back to doing stuff. Like you'll be on crutches. And I was like, all right, well, I got to wrestle next weekend. <laughs> like, yeah, I got to like, be in this, you know, like, they're probably I, like, that's not happening, buddy. Yeah. They were <laughs> like, it's not happening. Um, and I, yeah, I remember because yeah, I mean, wrestling, it's funny that you asked, like, did it mean a lot to you? Because it was really, yeah, it meant a ton to me. Um, and I remember being in a doctor's office, like just hoping like, okay, I'm going to come in. He's going to tell me we're good to go. And then I can wrestle like whatever. Yeah, okay. Positive thoughts. Uh, but yeah, he was like, okay, I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to clear you. Like, yeah. you know, I'm sorry. I know it's your senior season, but like, we can't wrestle. And I remember just like crying, yeah. like bawling. Of course. Like, I was, 
I was heartbroken. I didn't expect it either. I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it was, that it was bad. a little awkward. Yeah. It was a little awkward being in the silent room and me just like crying in front of my mom and the doctor, but whatever. Um, anyway, he was like, okay, well, you know, maybe we can, you know, just see how you heal yeah. and recover in the next few days. But, you know, just be mindful that like, you know, it's, it's not fully recovered. And if like you, this happens again next weekend, you know, like you're, you could like it's mess gonna get worse yeah. yeah you know and he was looking out for you you know and i'm yeah. sure it was hard for him to you know break the news yeah. to, to a, yeah. a kid like you was like man that this is everything i want to do this but oh my God. you know he yeah. had to have your uh, the best interest in mind you know oh yeah for sure but anyway kind of funny so <laughs> we do the checkup and i don't think he was supposed to do this or something he was like i'm not gonna clear you or i don't know i, uh-huh. I forget what the process was like but anyway i tried to persuade him or like talked to him to, and we figured something out. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, I I competed at the, at the tournament and I couldn't do shit. Like, yeah, barely move in. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't run. I couldn't walk. I couldn't like bear weight on it. So I was like trying to warm up for my matches. I couldn't really do anything. And I just wrestled on, on my knees and on one foot basically. But I was like, I would rather give this a try than to just fucking give up. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I didn't, I lost, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so okay. I didn't make it to States, which was good because I think if I would have made it to States, I think I would have probably messed up my ankle pretty bad. But um, anyway, so that kind of left me with a feeling of like, um, you know, I didn't really have closure. I was yeah. like, I, you know, worked so hard for this, but like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. So I was trying to find something that I could stay competitive in. A lot of people, yeah, after wrestling, they go into jujitsu or MMA. And I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. I really liked training though. I really liked um, lifting weights. Yeah. So uh, yeah, freshman year of college, like I was just going to the gym, lifting weights. Um, and then I saw a video of Brett Gibbs on Facebook and he was a junior at the time. And I was just mind blown, bro. I was like, yeah, I was, Brett was like up and yeah, down, very was, strong guy. Yes. Yes. And I didn't even know powerlifting was a thing, um, but I was like, wow, this is really cool. I think I, I want to do this. Um, but I got to start training legs. So <laughs> I started, started the training dreaded legs. squats. Yes. Yes. Um, and I started training legs and then, um, this was, I want to say beginning of 2015, I went to California and then I stopped by barbell brigade because that was at the time where they were really, really, they were, really, they're probably just starting up though. Right. Yeah. But they had a ton of like great videos that they were putting mm-hmm. out amazing content. Like I was was this their older first location, the smaller one, or was this like the bigger this, one, the current location? Mm-hmm. This was the current location. Okay. I yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, yeah, went over there. Um, I met Sarah Park. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I remember Sarah. Yep. Yes. Amazing person, bro. Yeah. Amazing guy. Um, and I remember going to the gym and uh, and training there. And I benched my first 315 at, when he was there. Dang. And that was, yeah. That was awesome. And, and he was like, hey, you're pretty strong. And I was like, really? Like, that's I mean, I don't know. It means a lot coming from yeah. him, you know? And he was like, you should, you should compete. You should get in it. Like super supportive, super encouraging. Um, it really, really meant a lot. So Sarah, if you're listening, I don't know if you are, but you know that, I mean, those, those words meant a lot to me and I took it to heart, you know? So I was like, man, this is, this is amazing. Um, I went back home and I just looked up powerlifting gyms, uh, found out about Mana Barbell and uh-huh joined and met an amazing community over there i mean the people were so welcoming just took me under their wing and um yeah pretty much uh 
you know, as soon as I joined, they were like, Hey, we have a meeting two months. Do you want to do it? And I was like, uh, it's I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, no, just do it. Like, it'll be a lot of fun. And I was like, okay, sure. So I did that, uh, competed and have been pretty much hooked and, and been in the community ever since, man. So it's been over six years now going on seven years. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's crazy. You literally have like a, like a Japanese anime protagonist story, yeah. you know, going from <laughs> hardcore wrestling, getting injured, yeah. you know, having kind of that depressed period of your life where you're like, man, like what's, what's what my meaning, doing? you know, what's my purpose. And then, you know, by chance uh, you stumble upon a Brett Gibbs video. That's crazy. I didn't know like, yeah. like how just, just like on Facebook, you know, you could find it and get into it, yeah. get exposed. Cause I think for me, like at an L at the LA fitness, I was working at it. It's a commercial gym for you. If you don't, if you don't uh, have LA fitness over there, um, there was just like one day where like one of the personal trainers, her boyfriend came to visit her and he was huge. And, uh, and he was the only person I've ever seen probably deadlift at least like above, you know, six plates or like five eighty five plus. Uh, oh, and I was like, and at the time, you know, being like what, like 15 or 16, I was like, how is That's this guy great. lifting that much? Yeah. I was like, I've never seen anybody even barely like touching five plates was already. And like, I'm sure you remember like the YouTube scene back then when like Omar Isaf, Max Tuning, all these guys mm -hmm. were coming out and them all pulling, you know, five plates or 545 was already like, whoa, that's the standard. And then 600 yeah. was like that big number. Everyone was like, oh, if I can pull that, I'm as strong as those guys. And mm -hmm. then, you know, this guy was coming here and then he was like, yeah, like I compete. And, and he told me about the federations and I, it, it meant nothing to me at the time. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I was like, that's cool, man. And, uh, and then, uh, and, and really Barbell Brigade, uh, similarly for me, like uh, when I started watching, uh, Bart's videos, we, I was already watching him when he was doing just kidding films, his comedy channel. Uh, but then when he, when he launched, uh, uh, you know, Barbell Brigade, I was like, whoa, like this is cool. So my, my friend and I got into it, uh, and tried to meet out because of that. But you know, that, that's cool how like you found um on a barbell got into the scene there um from what i understand i think you told me before it, it was more of like a uspa crowd over there right yes yes so for a long time we only had uspa in hawaii it was only until man 2018 uh -huh. i think yeah not too long ago. Um, yeah yeah so um for a long time you know especially when i was just getting into the sport we only had uspa and the reason was because we didn't have enough staff for usapl yeah, uh, we had like, you know, people who would go up and compete. Um, probably the most well-known person is Tony Harris. Mm -hmm. um, unbelievable, you know. Um, but yeah, he was competing in the USAPL and we had some guys from the gym as well competing in the USAPL. But um, we didn't have enough staff to run a USAPL meet. And like, in order for them to get their referee status, they needed to take their test somewhere. Which if there's no staff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like hard so problem. Yeah, so they had to go to the mainland and then take the referee test. And then by that time, uh, 2018 rolled around, um, you know, we had enough staff to, to put on some small meets and um, to kind of get that federation growing um, and uh, taking kind of the sport in a different direction. Um, so, but really what what kind of brought, you know, the, the need to have the USAPL down here um, was the club. You know, yeah. like we had some small qualifiers here and there uh, prior for USAPL, but like to run actual meets, like, yeah, we, we didn't have, we didn't really do that. Um, but yeah, when I started the club in 2017, um, obviously, you know, or not, maybe not obviously, but a big goal for me, yeah, pretty yeah. much the biggest goal and the dream was to be able to take a team from Hawaii to collegiate nationals, you know, and I was like, 
yeah, I was uh, I was all in on it, man. And that kind of just sparked, you know, the the interest to get the USAPL growing down here. And once we had that, we slowly over the past years have been have been building it up. So, dude, I, I want to pause you there for a moment because for those those of you listening, like. Props to those OGs who like went to the mainland to get ref certified, you know, like that's incredible because, you know, if you guys don't know to become a referee, you have to take like the written exam first, and then you have to go take the practical where you actually judge alongside uh, a already certified referee. So obviously in Hawaii, if they don't have anybody, these referees or these aspiring referees have to go out of the state and pay good money to go take their tests. So, you know, spending a weekend of their time to really do that. And uh, it's not Mm -hmm. like anyone's reimbursing them. Them, you know, this is out of their own time. So really, that's amazing uh, to, to hear kind of the, that growth and the willingness of people to go out there and do that. And then, you know, secondly, like that transitioning into, you know, now now like a, a college team that you're creating, I think um, for, for anyone who, who uh, is yet to compete that's listening, you know, the collegiate scene in powerlifting, it's really the US, USA powerlifting that has such a big scene. There's not, uh, there's other big federations, obviously, like the USPA, but there's not really like a substantial collegiate scene from what I've seen. And I think uh, for any college team that really wants to put a, you know, put their put their name and, and make a statement um, on the map, they really have to go through USAPL. So it made sense that by the time you joined and went to, to college, that that was going to be the first goal. Uh, my, my quick, you know, a side question there would be in, in Hawaii, what's like the go-to like university, like at, when you're a high schooler and you're, you're taking SATs and ACTs and getting ready to go to college, is there like the public university everyone tries to go to, or do people try to go out outside of the main uh, to, to go to the mainland and go to school? Like, what is it like? Mm, yeah, so for sure, the biggest university down here is the University of Hawaii at Manoa. That's okay. the one that I went to. Um, it's on Oahu. We have some smaller colleges on island on Oahu, but uh, definitely UH is, is the biggest one. And we have community colleges down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have UH Hilo on the big island on Hilo. Um, but yeah, for sure, UH Manoa is the one that a lot of people uh, end up going to like a lot of local kids. How many people in like, let's say your friend group or high school were like, I'm going to go outside of Hawaii and try to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I went to private school for high school. Um, uh-huh. and it was, a, uh, yeah, a lot of people that went to the private school, they were pretty well off. Um, I was able to go because my mom worked there. So we got free tuition. Which yeah. Was phenomenal. But yeah, a lot of the, uh, a lot of, you know, the people that were going there, they had to pay out of pocket. Damn. And it was like 25 grand a year. It's like paying for um, college. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like 25 grand a year uh, to go to that high school. Um, I think now it's closer to 30, but wow. um, yeah. Insane, bro. Inflation. So a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of them, you know, had opportunities to travel to the mainland to, to go to college there. And um, so a lot of them did that. Uh, that's my friends from high school. Uh, but a lot of my other friends um, stayed back. So it was kind of it was kind of a mix. Like if people had the opportunity and could fa- financially do it, then they would go. Yeah. But otherwise, then they would they would stay down. Yeah. Because a uh, uh, UH uh, like in Hawaii, are there certain degree fields or programs that are popular there that, that they have a, a strong program in? Um, I know that our nursing program is pretty good. Uh-huh. I know that our nursing program is good. Excuse me. Um, also, our business program is pretty good. Okay. Uh, Scheidler. So. Yeah, um, I would say those are two of the more well-known uh, schools that are within UH, but uh, I see. Yeah. 
yeah and and uh and people people always get it confused in houston because you know as you know jaron university of houston is also uh, UH. i think yeah. some people say u of h so you know uh-huh. it, it, it kind of distinguishes it um and then you know we have like a university for every major city in texas essentially so a lot of people going in state where it's cheaper like it, it makes a lot of sense so yeah i was always curious kind of what it was like uh, for you just academically going to, to u of h but uh by the time you got in and you know you went to school uh what was your undergrad in like obviously you're you know one of the coaches for us now uh mm-hmm. but i i remember you know you you're, you were in an engineering program for i think your graduate studies so like obviously a shift in in career path but what was yeah. the undergrad and like like what what were you like as a you know young undergrad student? Yeah, he was telling me about it, and you know he was huh. like, it's, "It's good." So I was like, "Okay, if I don't know what I'm gonna do, then I might as well work towards a degree that I know that I can use when I graduate." You know, so I was like, "I might as well put my time into something that, like, when I graduate, I'll have like a stable job and like decent income, and I'll be, I'll be good." You know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's what I did. Um, I might have cut off for a moment earlier, oh. and, and you said it was a civil engineering, right? Got you. Yes, civil engineering. Okay. And mm-hmm. then uh, for for people that don't know, like, what, how would you describe what civil engineering like? Like, what what would you as a civil engineer do? Like, what type of field would you go into? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few. There's actually a lot of different fields within civil engineering. Civil is super super broad. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the more common ones is construction management. Uh, where oh, you're okay. like on the site. Yeah. You're like on the site, uh, working crazy hours, making sure that projects are going well. Uh, there's the design side and the structural side or, uh, where you're kind of more in the office. It's more of like a nine to five and, uh, you know, yeah, just very, it's a broad flexible. Yeah. A, a yeah. Yeah. I see. Okay. Um, so I would, I would say those were the two more common ones that you can go into, uh, from civil engineering, but then they also have like wastewater they have like environmental they have geotech uh they have traffic they have yeah, oh, structural wow. stuff a ton you could yeah. you could uh, pretty much specialize in a, a, yes. like a bunch of different things i see yeah exactly okay so then uh you know you start school you know you're you're in an undergrad as a civil engineer or aspiring civil engineer you know due, due to kind of a friend you know saying hey this might be a good career path and then mm-hmm. um at this point you've already been you know getting into powerlifting because you already found mono barbell and started working out right um mm-hmm. at, was there a club or a team already at your school or what was the scene nope nothing man we didn't have anything um and so yeah i really because we didn't have anything, I was like, why not? <laughs> why, yeah. do we, why do we not have a team? You know, because I would see uh, people posting about collegiate nationals. I think it was, oh man, was it 2016? I think the color scheme was like yellow and baby blue. Um, and then the next year was, I think- and That was Providence, Texas. Rhode Island. And then the next year was, yeah, yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, so at the time when they had the, uh, whatever the yellow and baby blue year was, um that's when i found out about it and i was like well they have collegiate nationals like i yeah. didn't even know collegiate competitions was a thing and i was like that would be awesome if we could have that one day but i was i kind of just had it as a thought in my head and i was like okay i want to do it eventually but i'm not sure when or like if i have time whatever um the following year when they had it in texas um i think i probably even saw one of one of your videos competing yeah. but i saw a ton of people competing and i was like this is fucking amazing yeah and i was like okay i i can't be putting this off like i need to 
you know, have a team and we, we got to be here, you know, like I want to, I want to do this. And so um, I reached out to the university and they were like, no, we've never had a team. We've never had anyone show interest in powerlifting. And I was like, okay, well, let's do it. Uh, yeah. You let know, me like, be the first. <laughs> yeah. Let me be the first one. So um, I didn't really have the confidence to do it, but you know, going back to, uh, to the people at Mana, man, they are so, so amazing. A lot of them really instilled a lot of confidence and they believed in me, you know, and like they mm -hmm. told me from the beginning before I even had gotten it started, they were like, you know, you're the one to do this, you know, you're the like, chosen one, Jaren. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, yeah, you know, like you're, you're the right person to do this. You know, um, they're amazing, man. Like the way that I, I feel like the person that I am today, I took away a lot of things from them. Like you said, like the OGs, they did a lot like they paid out of pocket to fly to the mainland to take the yeah. referee test so that we could grow the sport down here you know and i saw that and was like wow that's amazing you know it's kind of like you just you give you know and you find a way to make it happen if you want it to happen right yeah um and you support your community and you give back so um i definitely took a lot away from them man they're phenomenal people i can't say enough good things about them um but anyway, they, they really instilled a lot of belief in myself that I could do it. And one of the owners, John Barang, amazing, phenomenal person. Um, he was like, okay, if you get this team going, man, like you want to do this, then I got your back. You know, yeah. we, if we start a team, then we can have the club practices here every Saturday, you know? And I was like, okay, man, we got, we got something set up. We got yeah. a practice room. I just got to do it. So um, I was like, yeah, I was planning for, uh, I think it was after that collegiate national because it was in the spring. So I was planning all summer for it. Um, in the fall, I applied to to be a club. Um, I applied for funding through the university as well. Um, and I prepared a presentation and gave them. Uh, hey, you have to really about, make it formal for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it, was, it was dope. So we have to submit like a whole application and you have to present in front of the board. Um, to, to get funds and see if, you know, you can be approved. Um, but yeah, so I did that and they were like, do you, you know, I applied for collegiate nationals in 2017, no, 2018. And it was 2016 at the time. And I was like, yeah, yeah we're planning on going to collegiate nationals next year. And they're like, do you have a club? Like, do you have a team yet? And I'm like, <laughs> not yet, but, but I'm working on it. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna get there. Uh, but they saw the presentation and they, you know, saw the the drive that I had and they were like we don't really come across a lot of people like this uh -huh. so they really really supported me financially and you know just in that, general that's cool man that, that's so cool. awesome yeah, uh, yeah for us like it, i don't even think we have to do a presentation we're just kind of like hey we want to make a new club and then we just submit the form i don't even think there's a meeting uh i don't remember anything like that maybe i mean we have yeah. like other meetings after you become a club like stuff like safety or just like oh, administrative things but like i don't think we needed to have a formal meeting like that but then again our mm -hmm. our university uh for for those of you guys listening if powerlifting as a sport in college it's not it's obviously not like these other collegiate sports out there where you know universities like midland university they have a developed program it is a scholarship-based sport in that university but most schools uh even the established ones it's just a, a club that usually comes out of the recreation center or just a part of the university so our, our school we were working or operating out of the recreation center and 
And, you know, the, our funding, they gave us some funding, but I don't think it was uh, as much as, uh, you know, your, your school was able to give you guys. Um, ours was just like a gas stipend every semester. So it was really oh, a lot of in-house fundraising. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So the presentation that I gave was just for funding. If we just wanted to be a club, then like there's no presentation required, but to get funding um, from this organization, it was like you had to supply, you had to apply the semester in advance uh -huh. and then prepare like an application, prepare like a budget template, uh, and then give a presentation to the board and see, see if uh, they'll approve and they approved. And uh, yeah, in the fall of that semester in 2017, uh, first yeah, finally started up, started, uh, yeah, finally started it up. Uh, we started very small, you know, I tried to do some advertising, but uh, the first day, I think we had four people, four or five people show up. And I was uh -huh. like, ah, I, I mean, like, I was hoping we would have more, but I was like, okay, you know what? Like, we'll work with it, bro. Four or five people will work with it. Yeah. Even if we had one, even if we had just one, like that's, that's someone, that's something, you know, we can, we can work with this man. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the four or five people that we had in there, they started telling their friends and the next week we had maybe eight. And the next week we had 11 yeah. and the next week we had 15. And then by the end of that semester, I think we had 20 or 25 around there. That's amazing. Um, so good. Yeah. Good first semester. And, uh, you know, from there, uh, following semester was the spring of 2018. And we, uh, took our first team to collegiate nationals, man. And, and that was even tough too, to try to get a team. Like I was trying to tell everyone like, Hey, you know, we're going to put on a qualifier. So you guys would be good. Mm. Um, and we have funds from the university and we had enough funds to cover the airfare, the lodging, so our Airbnb, um, our registration, pretty much everything covered. That's awesome. I was like, we have enough to cover six people, Yeah. you know, um, pretty much all you have to do is just pay for food. You know, like who, who wants to that's, go? That's pretty affordable. I had two people who wanted to go, bro. I was yeah. like, I was like, you know, I had to really- This is all expenses to, paid for. I was like, like we're gonna make history like we're gonna yeah. be the first team to do this you know like let's do it let's represent our university let's represent hawaii like let's do this man it's gonna be amazing but i had a lot of people that were like oh, i don't know you know maybe potentially i'm not sure i had to kind of persuade some people to do it um but yeah we ended up having six people go um so uh, this was for was, ohio right this was for no this was for uh texas a&m Oh, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, 2018, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. That was, uh, that, uh, let me think. Yeah, that was 2018. Yeah, sorry about yeah. that. I got my, I got no, my no. years mixed up. Now, I, yeah. I noticed uh, those years, uh, you didn't yes. compete either of the years. Is it because yes. you had to play the leader role of, you know, making sure everyone was more accounted for? Somewhat. I also injured my back in 2018. So oh, uh, that was the reason why I really, really wanted to do it. But I was like, oh, shit. I don't really, yeah. I was, I was not, kind not of like, a, I don't really, not yeah. timing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that first year I had to sit out, unfortunately, um, but it's all good. Um, yeah, I was still super, super happy and very proud to to be in that uh, coach team leader role, you know, that first year. And that was actually the year that, that we met you, bro. 
yeah, yeah i remember and and, yeah. and you know like hearing hearing like uh, you talk about the, the the growth and the start of it a lot of it parallels kind of uh my path because uh of 20 like our team was started up a little bit earlier than you know the the hawaii team but 2017 wow. fall was the year i you know stepped up and was was starting to become the the head coach for the team so similar to you wow. same timeline uh 2018 yes. collegiates at AM, that was also the year where i did compete and i was in prime time but i came into the meet injured so i i also was like should i even compete but at that point i was like i'm not getting a refund and i might as well just go see what i can do and uh, yeah. i clearly did not do too well my, my uh, glute at the time it would like flare up really bad when i would lock out on squat or deadlift so it still persisted on meet day but you know i had a good time that was the first meet my girlfriend ever came and saw me in person um wow. so it was it was really cool to, to share that with her two of my really close friends that i trained with in dallas also came to watch me in person um so even though like i didn't have the best showing afterwards we all ate you know it was good vibes and it, yeah. it meant a lot to just share that with the, the, everyone and plus our team went and you know we're us being from texas we had a big team easily able to go so mm -hmm. you know seeing everyone else do well and just have an awesome time uh, a lot of the lifters that competed that year that are you know now graduated or in their careers um actually this sunday we're hosting our uh, annual you know power local uh, meet powerlifting meet and a lot of them are coming back to volunteer you know help out or some of them are even competing as an alumni and uh and it's wow. so cool to see like uh come full circle because this meet we're hosting uh we have about 62 people competing and literally wow. like 55 are like all from University of Houston. Like they're either people that are on the team this year and this is their first meet or there's a handful of alumni. And since we're the, mm -hmm. the Houston Cougars, uh, one of the guys was like, oh, the, the alumni, we should name ourselves the Krusty Cougs. So, you know, they, they signed up as the Krusty Cougs and then everyone else is like part of University of Houston. And then we have a few other people from other colleges coming, but we didn't even market uh -huh. it out because we were like, man, we already filled this up with all of you guys. Like we don't even need wow. to, to spread it out to everyone else. So that's so cool yeah. that, uh, that, uh, the timeline wise, uh, everything was so similar between uh, both of us. So, you know, now, yeah. now I like, as, as you went on and developed the club, did anyone else, like, I was curious earlier, did anyone else kind of step up from that early group and was like, Hey man, like, I'll be your right hand, man. I'll help you out. Like, was there anybody like that? Yes. I did have an, an amazing group of people around me, but before I get into that, uh -huh. I do want to say, Michael, that I remember meeting you at that national meet. And um, I remember you, yeah, you had an injury. Um, yeah. And you were, you were the returning national champion, you know? Yeah. So people had, people had eyes on you, you know? And, uh, and we had eyes on you too. <laughs> I, I didn't was, even realize that. Chris, yeah. Chris was one of the... Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, he was, he was. Yes, he was in the mix. So we yeah. were looking at the top uh, lifters you know, in the, in the flight, we're like, okay, what do we need to, to kind of like squeak our way into maybe fit, you know? Um, but I remember us meeting you in the back and, um, it was me and Chris, and I think you were just helping out. You were coaching or something. Yeah. And, uh, we were like, Hey, how's it going, man? And we just kind of, you know, kicked it off and was like, you know, from Hawaii and you're like, yeah, from Houston and stuff. And I think Chris asked you about like your numbers and you're like, Oh yeah. Like my bench is eyed. Like, it's like, you know, it's, it's decent. And then, but at the time you were like one of the best ventures in the junior 83s. Yeah. And I think you had even had like a, 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 a world spot or like a, you know, you want yeah. something like that. So we were like, damn, this guy is way too humble, bro. This guy is such <laughs> a nice guy. Like he's, you know, amazing guy. And I remember you competing that year um, because yeah, you had eyes on you. You were the returning national champ. You could have pulled out, but you didn't. 
um, and you still competed in the primetime session. And I remember what stood out to me was that you did, you did that with a smile on your face. You know, even though it was like below what you had done before on squat and, and deadlift, like you were going out smiling, bro. So happy to be there, you know, so happy to represent. And I was like, damn, this dude really loves this sport, man. He's about this, you know, he's about his team. He, he's doing this. I mean, it inspired me, man. It really did. I appreciate you know, that. I was man, like, yeah. that's, that was amazing, man. Like, so that was my first impressions of you. I was like, this dude is fucking amazing. Yeah. That's great. Man. I, I mean, it, it, it all feels like such a blur. Like when you're going uh -huh. through the, that week and, and uh, I forget like, you know, all the, I guess like the people that might be watching you and like, you forget, like, like it, it, I appreciate when people, you know, recall those memories and they say, Hey, like, I remember yeah. seeing you like that. And I, I yeah, I really appreciate the kind words. The main yeah. thing I remember with that meet was it was a big venue. It was really cool, yes. but we uh -huh. had to run a lot from the first platform to the fifth. And I was like, geez, this is crazy. <laughs> like it, it's actually got to jog all the way over there. And then oh, there was dude, a ramp yeah. leading to the platform. Yes. And I saw the equip lifters like waddling and struggling to go up. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe man. they could have done this a little bit better. And some of the smaller girls, like their coaches are like literally carrying them to, so that they didn't oh. have to walk up the ramp. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm fortunate I didn't have to do that, but yeah, like that, it's, it's cool how like, you know, uh, another funny story I want to tell you is like raw nats 2016, when I competed, I met a guy, uh, two, two guys are actually, uh, uh, that I'm friends with to, uh, to this day. One of them ended up becoming my temporary roommate, like many years on the road. And he Gosh. was not, uh, he was, uh, not from Houston. He went to, um, Stanford. And uh, the other guy is actually dating one of my close friends now, and he lives in Houston. Um, and I was just like uh, a Korean Hulk, Richard Yoon, for those of you guys listening, you might even have seen him on Instagram. And I was like, wow, like, you know, you, you meet these people and you, you never realize like what a small world it is and, and everybody gets connected. And same, same for you, man. Like we met, you know, that, that year and then here we are now talking today on the same team and, uh, and, and working to, to kind of build this up. So, oh, yeah. you know, after that year, uh, what, what ended up uh, continuing to happen with the team? Did it continue? It sounds like it kept growing and, you know, you're obviously still involved. Uh, where mm -hmm. would you say it's gotten to at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll answer both questions that you had. I'll answer that one. And then also the one about the people around me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely had a ton of amazing people, man. I'm so, so, so fortunate that we had an amazing uh, group of officers, but not only that, we had an amazing team, you know, and I've always said this and I've always believed this. Anyone can start a club. Anyone can, can be the president of a club. It takes a ton of special people to come together to do something special. You can't do it alone. Yeah. You know? There's no way I could have done it alone. Um, but I was so, so fortunate to have all of these amazing people who wanted to give back and wanted to give their time and their effort and their heart into it you know and we all kind of just fed we just fed each other basically yeah. we like we fed into it you know you see one person giving their all you see one person going the extra mile and it's like that, okay, that passion spreads exactly the passion is contagious man and so you know next thing you know it's like there's 30 of us that are all we all want the same goal we all want the same thing maybe not Everyone wants to go to nationals, yeah. but we're all trying to grow the community and we're all active uh, members in the community. You know, we're all helping out at all the meets. We're setting up the venues, we're breaking them down, we're spotting and loading, we're volunteering, you know, we're helping each other out in the practice room. You know, it's uh, it was amazing, man. And like the most important thing was like, we all cared about each other. Like we deeply, deeply cared about each other. 
Good lifelong friendships. Dude, amazing. Yes, hundred percent lifelong friendships, and many of them. You know, it was a uh, it was phenomenal, man. Um, and I think one of the coolest things about the club was like we were able to bring together so many different people from so many different backgrounds. Yeah, that you maybe wouldn't have ever met. You know, like just different personality types from different areas and different degrees, you know, know. exactly. But it was this one thing that brought us together. Um, But us being so different, you know, helped us all grow together because it's like, it's like we could all learn from each other, you know? Yeah. Um, So that was amazing. Um, So, so fortunate for everyone in the club. Uh, For anyone listening, man, you guys are my fucking, you guys are my heart and soul, you know, It, it really, yeah, man, it gave me a different, yeah, it means a lot. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it means me, a it lot. Gave me a to, different purpose in life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really that, did. That, and that that's that's so cool yeah. to see. Like that kind of sparked that career change, you know. Yes. And going all the way for you to like graduate undergrad and then continue to pursue the uh, graduate degree. Like at that point of your life, were you like, well, with this undergrad, it's still a little difficult to get, you know, a job. Like, was that what made you feel like maybe I should go and finish a master's? And it is like, what prompted you to go beyond the the undergrad degree? Yeah, I wasn't really sure. Oh, excuse me. I keep burping. But anyway, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, so in undergrad, um, you know, I was going through it. I worked for, I interned at a really good company. Uh-huh. Um, it was the company that I wanted to be at. It was like my number one company. Yeah. Uh, amazing people, amazing coworkers, phenomenal bosses. Like, you know, it was, it was awesome. It was a really, really good work environment for a great company. Um, but I just didn't find any passion for it, you know, and the work, it wasn't like the work was super hard because it wasn't like it was doable. I just didn't really enjoy it. It was just work. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I was like, man, I don't know if I want to just do this day in and day out. Day in and day out. And I'm like, it doesn't bring me any fulfillment. And I was like, okay, maybe I can go to grad school and I can find something that I do enjoy, you know, because there's so many different avenues within civil engineering. I was like, Maybe I can do this and maybe I can do some research and I'll like that. Or maybe I can find a different field within in civil that I'll enjoy. Um, and on top of that, one of the biggest things was if you get a position as a graduate assistant in civil engineering, um, they will cover your tuition. Oh, okay. So yeah, I was like, and they, and they pay you. So it's a stipend plus a tuition waiver. So I was like, okay, you know, if I can get a position doing that, then I think I'll maybe do that. And I was like, okay, I can hopefully find something that I like. Um, and then also I can continue growing the team. To be honest, that was kind of <laughs> being able to grow the team was pretty, pretty big for me. But like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I was like, okay, and I can have my tuition covered. Like I'm good. So I worked hard to get that position. And I got that position. And I got my tuition covered. Um, but yeah, and, and it was kind of, you know, going through the the two years of it, I was like, I don't more really more. know. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, like, I don't really know. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, I kind of don't enjoy any of this, but what I did enjoy. Um, so I, I, as a graduate assistant, um, I was a teaching assistant. Yeah. Um, so I would teach the labs and I would like, you know, oversee the students and uh, run the labs and stuff like that. It was for a concrete materials lab um, where basically we, um, kind of just make concrete mixtures and then uh-huh. we make them into cylinders and then we test the strength of them and we kind of, you know, look at the data and then we're like, okay, what needs to be changed? What can we do differently to make the strength higher or maybe make it less or have it, 
crack differently or yeah. you know have a different different value so that was basically what our lab was um but yeah from doing that and having that position as a ta what i did find is that i loved helping people and i loved just teaching yeah. yes yeah yeah just being the, teaching helping whatever you know um i was super that made me happy you know and uh, i really tried my best to be there for the students and help them out as much as i could you know, not only as a TA, but if they needed anything, they could reach, reach out to out. me. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and they definitely saw that and they they respected it. And that's why I know that respect goes a long way. Respect and caring goes such a long way. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's what I really like to do, like just being around people. And um, yeah, it was awesome. And, and it made me realize like what happens when you show that respect and when you care, you know, because after the labs, the students could have just, I mean, it's kind of like a mess when you're dealing with concrete and there's a lot to clean up. Yeah. You know, the students could have easily just left, which is what we typically do. But um, a lot of them, I didn't even have to ask them, but they stayed extra to help me clean up and like make my job easier. You know, so instead of me cleaning up for 20 minutes, there's 20 students and they just all take on one task and we get yeah. it done in like five minutes, you know, and they were like, no, we want to stay and help you because like you're helping us, you know, so we want to be here for you too. You know, and, and that's like, amazing, man. That shows yeah. a lot about, you know, your your character and your leadership and how it, it influences those around you where, like, stereotypically, they might not even stay, but <laughs> they were willing and happily staying because, you know, they wanted you to get out of there quick, too, and then and, and not give you as hard of a time. That's that's yeah. a wonderful, man. I it, it, Once again, it's crazy how much I parallel your story because I was also a grad assistant and I also, wow. you know, got my master's as well and, and obviously uh -huh. a different field in sports uh, administration and management but um, unfortunately my tuition wasn't covered because of the the ga ship uh, although i did get paid um, but i was fortunate in that my master's program was like affordable it wasn't you know particularly super expensive so um, i was able to afford it uh, out of pocket but yeah that, I, I wish we i think for us we would have to get a fellowship or something and to apply and get like a very competitive process to get the tuition waived um, but yeah, like I also on the back of my mind was like, well, if I go to grad school, I can stay back and help the team and continue to stay involved. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and and that was that was a part of it. And, and you know, I'll, I, I guess for us, uh, for for uh, the sake of time, I'll, I'll give you like a brief summary uh, of, of like our team's kind of history, because I know you were you were curious yes. about it. And yeah, like for us, it was really like a social club my freshman year. We didn't have anything as well. Um, it, we called it like the the UH Barbell Club or, or something like that. I, I I'm pretty sure I can dig up an old shirt that we had. Um, I, I remember the first two presidents at the time uh, they were they were dating and they were both like, hey, like we discovered this sport uh, called powerlifting. And, you know, mm -hmm. we're wanting to try our first meet. You know, we, they rallied up some of the people at the rec that you saw were regulars that were always just working out there and look like they could be a powerlifter. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that was like the first like eight or 10 of us. And I was one of the guys that showed up to the meeting. and I was like, oh, this is cool. Other people here worked out. Um, we had a yeah. we had like a weightlifter. We had some people that we're more into bodybuilding, um, et cetera. And then, you know, most of us uh, naturally gravitated towards powerlifting just because it was probably the more user-friendly uh, sport. Um, and then the, the year after, I think, unfortunately, they were all seniors that year. So pretty much all of them graduated. Um, and, and the year after, you know, the ones that started it, they still wanted to like help as alumni and kind of keep it around. And uh, they found a guy from Georgia who was uh, getting his doctorate uh, at University of Houston. And he had already been powerlifting like eight years or so and equipped mostly. So he kind of became and, and headed uh, as the first coach. 
Although uh, he was, he wasn't like a coach, uh, like a background wise. He just kind of came and was like the more experienced guy. Um, I, I know, I know if uh, Russ ever listens, uh, Russ's very first powerlifting meet, uh, coach Dave was actually the guy who was there and was handling and helping Russ out. Uh, and, and I remember watching Russ, who was also on our team very, my first USA pill meet was his first USA pill meet watching wow. him show up, no knee sleeves, no belt <laughs> squatting the American 83 kilo record at the time. For those of you guys listening back then at local meets, you could set national records as long as there was uh, two national refs. So, you know, I, I was like mind blown seeing Russ uh, compete then. And, uh, and, and then th- that year ended and, you know, Dave was pretty busy with the studies. Um, I think he just, you know, needed time to focus on that. So honestly, he kind of dipped pretty quickly. Like it wasn't really like a formal goodbye. He was just like, sorry guys, I'm not, I'm not involved anymore. Um, and then I was, I was a junior in undergrad and, and it left me as like pretty much the only one that hasn't graduated yet that had somewhat experience i think at that point i had like five or six meets under my belt so i was definitely the only one who kind of had competed that often um a lot of the people that were with me at the time competing they were pretty much friends i met in college i was like why don't you try it too man we all worked out at the rec and everyone really enjoyed lifting weights uh, even though same same as you guys like degree fields were different interests were different but Mm -hmm. we were all united just by the fact that why don't we compete and you know work out and and i think um naturally like i just kind of like started talking to people that i would see that i was like hey like you're pretty strong like have you ever like seen powerlifting or looked into it i think you would like it um you know one of the lifters uh, as an example that i still work with today she was actually finishing her phd at university of houston and i just approached her and and now she's a full-fledged professor in in louisiana and she still you know competes and and, uh, you know trains to this day um her her boyfriend as well that now they're engaged so you know they're actually getting married uh next year and i'm going to their wedding he's also a power lifter he actually had a, his own podcast as well it's it's crazy how how the the, the world kind of brings us all together and and uh yep. yeah like like it's it's cool because that 2017 year uh when i started in fall similar to you like all mm-hmm. those guys that were on the team then you know now i'm seeing all of them like one of them uh, is coming to the meet this weekend and he's about to graduate physical therapy school. You know, a lot of them, they've graduated, you know, they're getting their jobs. Uh, they got their internships and full-time stuff lined up and it's cool to see like uh, uh, now they're all, not only are they stronger, but they're just more mature. They're, they're all just in a better place in life uh, and graduated. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it makes me feel a little bit older. I'm just like, man, like time flies, <laughs> man. And uh, yeah, like, you know, we had a, a place we could train at at our school. It was like part of the exercise science building, uh, but they, they had to renovate it. And now it's like mostly just like a lab research type facility. So we don't have that room anymore. Um, fortunately, we were able to find a very large CrossFit based facility that's like literally walking distance from campus. Um, there's like our campus, this highway, like a bridge, and then past that is like pretty much the facility. So uh, it's not advised to walk there because, you know, obviously like the area is downtown. It's not the safest area, especially if it's late, but um, driving wise, it would be an easy three minute carpool. So we were like, we talked to the owners there. Uh, they were, they were fairly friendly and we're, we're still in, at that facility to this day. Uh, they gave us a fair rate uh, per month to, to just kind of store our equipment there and have a whole section we could pretty much train at. Um, and because the facility is so large and it's more like a class-based type of facility. So it's not like the gym is just, you know, free fledged occupied at all times. It's more like five to 6 PM. They have this boot camp class. And then this section of the gym is not used. So, you know, we can do our training sessions. So currently, you know, we practice there twice a week. Um, similarly. Yeah. Like we just had, 
you know, those, those standout uh, students that every now and then they'd be like, I want to be an officer and I want to, you know, do damn well at my job. So, you know, they stepped yep. up um, in the beginning administratively, it was rough, you know, just like knowing what your role was, knowing what we had to do, stuff we had to submit to the rec, you know, how, how can we rally everything together and just make kind of a formalized system. But like bit by bit, semester by semester, you know, mistakes were made, but improvements were also made. And I think now, you know, seeing our team at like 60, 70 active members, um, hosting a meet where we have like 50 plus, you know, affiliate people competing. Um, it's it's cool to see like, and, and yeah, like uh, I think in 2018, that was the first year where I was the first one to bring, like a, create a meet and direct, you know, meet for our school because, you know, the, the schools I mentioned to you earlier, UT Austin, Texas A&M, you know, UT San Antonio, they were kind of the powerhouse schools of Texas for powerlifting because they already had a team. They were all around for probably already 10 plus years each at that point. Um, and they all already had their annual meets that they always threw on. So we, I was like, oh, we're a big school. We have, you know, I checked the uh, University of Hawaii. I think it's like 18,000 students or something like that. Ours is like 45, 50,000 students. So we're wow. a huge school, you know, and, and uh, I was like, why aren't we throwing anything, you know, especially in a city like yeah. Houston with all the facilities and, you know, all the, all the places we could do it at. So, you know, that, that was, that was the year where luckily because I was a GA and I was a GA at a recreation center. So I was kind of like the personal training manager and in the fitness department. So I had more access to talk to the admin there and say, Hey, like, can we host the competition? Like, and, you know, I think our, our director uh, who's still there right now, like to her, like, she probably imagined like, you know, the stereotypical heavy metal blasting guys th slamming weights down, scary, burly, you know, dudes <laughs> lifting. And I was like, no, no, no. This is like a very family friendly, professional environment. These are college kids competing. You know, there's going to be none of that. We're not damaging the floor. Like, don't worry. Wow. So, you know, I, I drafted out like a whole plan of like operations, convinced our operations director and showed him like everything I were going to do to make sure that it was going to be a well-organized event. And uh, we made it happen. And that, that competition actually Chance uh, competed at. Um, and, and I remember wow. feeling Thanks. very thankful because uh, Chance, after it was all said and done, he was like, hey, man, you threw on a good meet. And, you know, he gave me props. And I, I like for wow. Chance, like if he ever gets to listen to this part, I appreciate uh, him. <laughs> yeah. Giving me that props because Johnny Candido competed, I believe, at that meet as well. We had we had some names just awesome. to show up and do it. I was like, hey, like we're throwing a local meet. We're going to make sure it's on time. And, you know, we have good spotters, everyone who's lifted and competed before. And, you know, it's it's cool to just kind of bring that together. And a lot of the spotters that year, because it was the first year, um, mm -hmm. were just like friends of mine who used to power lift or just worked out with me. And I was and they were all down to just come and help out. So really shout out to like all those guys who just gave their time and, and uh, you know, helped out. And since then, it's kind of become, you know, a bit of a tradition similar to the other schools that continue to do it. Um, and it's really cool to see us hosted again this year. So really, there's not um, uh, to, to, you know, cut that short and there, there's not other real crazy details. It really was just like an organic club that grew with people getting interested through social media, through, you know, just watching YouTube, just like us or like some of them are the high school powerlifters who like came into it. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll continue to do it in college. But honestly, most of those lifters kind of fizzled out. Like they just kind of stopped in college. We really had a lot of people that were like, hey, I've only lifted weights for like a year, but I want to do powerlifting. Like I'll join. Um, so at this point, you know, as, as you know, like the last few years, collegiate qualifying totals got, you know, fairly a little bit higher. Um, mm -hmm. So now like you definitely have to be somebody who's been lifting for a little bit of time to like be able to start qualifying. So our team did develop uh, more recently to where it's like majority, like intermediates. And it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what's cool is, 
you know, we, we built such a big community for segue or entry for these younger lifters to be like, Oh, like I have a place where I can belong and, you know, start lifting weights and power lift and try my first two meets out. Some of them end up becoming very competitive and, you know, making it to collegiates or qualifying or even being, you know, a top five standout. Um, yeah. I, it was cool. Cause when I was, you know, competing and coaching mostly there, uh, obviously we had a lot of these standout athletes who did you know play second or first we had one girl at 47 she got uh the gold the year that we were at a&m um crazy at 74 we had a guy that year who got second so uh, i was coaching him as well that was cool to watch him uh uh, you know get second he got second after a guy named hamza who was like a beast of a lifter yeah hamza went to worlds as like a teen Uh, i think i don't don't see him lift too much or at least post nowadays i i hope he's uh still keeping up with it but yeah Yeah. like we, we had some standout athletes and i was like it's so cool to to be able to play some people and you know see our team go i think we did get invited that year our women's team got invited to university worlds but it was like in the czech republic and i was like yeah like sorry guys like we're gonna have to spend like a couple grand each to go i don't think it's gonna happen um schools like ohio state they already have like fundraised money like prepared if they end up being able to go so and and now like uh i guess to kind of close off all the collegiate talk, we're kind of in a question mark period because now IPF and us split, you know, with USAPL. So I oh, think a lot great. of the collegiate yeah. community is talking about, you know, is it still worth it to go? What are the implications yeah. to go this upcoming year? A lot of people are still down to go, but then after this, uh, this upcoming, you know, collegiate nationals, I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, well, like what's the point of going now if we can't go to worlds or does it really matter? You know, when so many yeah. teams are already involved and in going, um, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, uh, for both of us to just kind of see what's going to happen coming into yeah. 2022, but that's kind of where we, where we stand. Um, you I know, totally forgot. yeah, I totally forgot about uh, collegiate worlds, man. That's a big, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I, yeah. Oh man. That's a bummer. And, and maybe, maybe like there's going to be some, you know, I don't know if through powerlifting America or some affiliate federation and if it's going to happen, but yeah, we'll just have to see kind of, kind of what, what's to come. Um, now, you know, that, b- before we let uh, everything go on a little long, I'm going to kind of close it up with uh, asking you, uh, you know, a question with Hawaii. You know, we talked about how powerlifting scene was not, you know, too developed. And, you know, you felt you were looking for gyms in your area. Montevarville was one of the ones that came up. Um, like as of now, like, do you feel like there's areas in Hawaii where it could use a gym? And like if, if there was one like that kind of popped up, like what type of vision, like if you were like, let's say a manager, like what, what do you foresee is something like the demand of powerlifting would, could, could use in Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. So the thing about Hawaii is our, the sport of powerlifting is very developed. Like we have a big community down here. A lot of people who compete, a lot of people who are interested in getting into the sport or already very involved in the sport, pretty much every meet that we put on sells out. Um, and that's awesome yeah 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 and you know everyone kind of knows each other so everyone comes out to support it's amazing man like we have such a big very strong supportive community um but yeah the only gym that we have down here is mana barbell um that's the only powerlifting gym uh i don't know if danny is is listening to this but danny also has a, a smaller gym it's a it's like a garage gym but amazing he has like a road combo rack and kilo plates and everything yeah um but yeah i mean Besides that, there's some CrossFit gyms. There's, I think, maybe one or two Olympic weightlifting gyms. Okay. Um, but the demand is absolutely there, 100% there to to do uh, something more, you know. And our community, they're the 
the demand is there and our community is ready to do something more. Yeah. You know? So yeah, you know, we, what, there's, there's been, I don't know, go ahead. With, with, uh, with your university, I know like back in the day, we had talked about how like, obviously the Hawaii, like driving, you know, X amount of distance is already considered like pretty far in Houston. Like for, for people listening, <laughs> like 30 minutes is like normal. Like that's like, that's like, uh, uh, if you're going to visit a friend in Houston, you're driving 30 minutes minimum. Um, just, the memes are like, you drive an hour and you're still in Houston, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I know in Hawaii, you said like 20 minutes is already like pushing it. That's like, people oh, yeah. are like, dang, 20 minutes. <laughs> So uh, yeah, like yeah. compared to like where your university is um, mm-hmm. and where Montevarville is, cause I'm not familiar yeah. with like the geography of Hawaii. Like, is mm-hmm. it far? Like where, where, what, what other part of Hawaii kind of has a lack of, of a gym? Yeah. Yeah. So Montevarville is kind of on the edge of town before we start hitting like quote unquote uh, central West side type. Um, like Montevarville is pretty much at the area that's at the edge. It's yeah. still considered town um uh is in town it's about uh maybe 12 to 15 minutes ish away from okay yeah on a barbell and uh are about 12 to 15 minutes away so not too bad uh but for a lot of the people that don't have cars it can be kind of difficult to get there um in terms of like we don't have just like a straight transportation system that is like super easy you know um so there is definitely a demand to have a gym in town um, that's a little more, you know, closer, closer to everything. Closer, yeah. I mean, the ideal location uh, to have something like this would be like around uh, the Ala Moana area, yeah. um, Ward, Waikiki. I know most people don't even know what that means, but is, is that like a place where there are shopping centers or yes. like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's basically where all the shopping centers are, a lot of the hotels, a lot of restaurants, a lot of up and coming mm-hmm. things being developed. A lot of visibility. Um, yes, yes. And it's right by the beach as well. It's like literally right, awesome. right at the beach. Yeah, yeah. And uh, UH is right by that too. Like UH is probably maybe a seven minute drive, you know? So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so a bit closer and, and it's a lot easier going straight there if you're taking like public transportation, you know? So, uh yeah man like i said definitely a big demand um and our community has has been ready for it you yeah know, has been ready for for something bigger man and um yeah you know we've we've got some exciting things planned man so i think this this upcoming year in 2022 is going to be really really big for the powerlifting community in hawaii uh we're going to be hosting meets again in the usapl and i, I really I really, really want to put on some amazing meets. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and I've been I've been flying to the mainland uh, kind of often, man, kind of a lot this past year. And every time I go up, I'm always talking to people and I'm always like, hey, man, if you guys ever want to come down to Hawaii, yeah, I promise you Planning we have some seat. amazing meets. Yes, yes. And yeah, I mean, the, the crowd and the support system in Hawaii is just is so awesome, man. Everyone really gets behind you, especially if you're from somewhere else and you fly down. Bro, people are gonna go nuts, you know. Like we love that. We really, really love that. Um, and so I'm really excited to to be hosting meets again um, coming up in 2022. We're gonna have like a smaller qualifying meet in January for everyone that wants to go to collegiate and junior nationals. Uh-huh. Um, tentative plan is to have another meet sometime in maybe April or May. Um, and then I want to have like a big meet in the fall and like a money meet. 
Um, and oh, the wow. reason for, for that being um, is because, you know, a lot of people are going to be uh, focusing on collegiate nationals or junior nationals in uh, the earlier in part of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And then raw nationals, everyone's, you know, looking forward to that. The in middle the of the time. Year. Yep. So I want to have like a meet in the fall, maybe September, maybe October, and it'll be like a money meet. Um, that way it's kind of like an incentive. It's like, okay, if you come down and win, yeah, you win best lifter, you get your flight covered or you have your hotel covered, you know, it's That'd like, cool. and then you can make a trip out of Hawaii. So I really, really want to do that, but I want to have like multiple cash prizes so that if people yeah. want to some sponsors down, and, you know, build it yeah. and set it up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then I don't know. Uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, the people that are down here in Hawaii are like, Hey, we want to, you know, we want to step our game up and we want to maybe, maybe get the cash prize too, you know? So, uh, I'm excited, man. It's going to be a great year of competitions. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. So if anyone wants to come down to do a meet, I mean, and wants to visit Hawaii, you're man, giving them the preview, everyone, man. <laughs> I'm giving the preview, man. I'm, uh, uh, I've been telling my, my lifter, Kyle, Kyle uh-huh. Deleon, to come down. I'm like, you got to do a meet in Hawaii, bro. I've been uh, talking to David Chan a lot too. Yeah. David Chan actually visits um, Hawaii pretty often. I think he visits him and his girlfriend visit every year. So I'm like, that's awesome. Bro, we got to get you. I got to go one of these years here. too, man. I mean, I haven't Please, been myself, and, you know, after driving through and checking out most of the mainland, it's like yeah. Hawaii is a state like no other. I mean, nothing literally remotely comes close. Um, you know, and, and Texas is just flat, dry land. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's not much to see as you're driving through the state. It's a huge state. Like, I mean, me being yeah. Korean, it's like, you could fit like, like a bunch of South Korea's into Texas uh, and, and it would, you'd still have, you know, space left over. So, you know, yeah. when, when you get to have this place like Hawaii, that just literally seems like a, a dreamland in comparison. I mean, I can't wait uh-huh. to, to come and visit one of these days and get to hopefully see you put on a, a cool meet like that and bring the community oh, together. Please do, man, please. I would love to, I'd really, really love to have you, man. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to, I'm, I'm already planting the seeds, bro. Uh, yeah. I was talking to even David Shelton and like Rob, I'm like, you guys got to come down. And of course, Sean, yeah. I'm like, you got to come down, man. We got to get you down here. Uh, I hope he, he wants to do a meet down here one day. I mean, he said he, he does, but I know he's a busy guy. You know, he's got, he's got meets lined up. So they just pull him for like a bench only or something. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Maybe just come in and do a light SBD day, you know, yeah. nothing much, man. Just have some fun. I mean, uh, a lot of people already know him down here, so it'll be awesome for him to come down when, whenever he decides to do so. so That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. thank you so much uh, for sharing, you know, your story, Jared. I mean, I, I got to learn more about, you know, some of the things that I, I didn't like I already knew, but, you know, in more depth and, and other things I didn't know. And it's so cool to, to see like what you've done with the community there. I think both of us, like, I don't know if you felt this way, but like over, over the years, it's like you get put into a leadership role and I just never really thought, Oh, I'm, I'm a leader. Or, like I'm going to be a leader. And it wasn't something I was like, yeah, like off the bat, like I'm that guy, but then slowly, you know, you get put into those positions. You're like, I, I guess I am a leader and people look up yeah. to me and, and you have to set the example. And I think um, exactly. I'm very blessed and fortunate that, uh, that, that people around me listened and, and we set up a good community. And now like, even to this day with our team, like it's 
fairly, you know, knock on wood, like there's not a lot of drama. Our team is very cohesive and, and very supportive of each other. Like a lot of people go out to each other's needs and they volunteer and give back. And, you know, we set, we set kind of the precedent for all those guys early on because we were the ones doing all that too and volunteering and giving our time. So seeing, seeing leaders like you uh, step up and play a role in, in somewhere like Hawaii where there's a lack of it and then there's a need for it. Now, you know, it gives the people there something to look forward to for, for the sport of powerlifting because they're like, hey, like meets are going to come up. You know, there's going to be gyms that are hopefully popping up in the future and then you're just populating the, the state. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're always going to be uh, supporting you from Team Nori and keeping up to date with what's to come. So thank you so much again, Jaren, uh, for, for uh, sharing your time. Any other uh, last comments or words uh, before we wrap it up today, Jaren? No, that's it for me, man. I, I really do appreciate everything, man. It means a lot. And uh, for sure, Michael, you as a person, you know, you're someone that I very much look up to, man. You know, you lead by example. It's funny that you say, yeah, I mean, we're, we're leaders in our communities because you, you know, I don't want us to downplay it because you've done so much in your community in Houston, man. You've done a ton. You know, every person that I talk to about you, they're like, Michael built up, you know, the Houston community, man. He was a face, you know. So you've done so much, man. It's, it's crazy to see the impact that we have, both of us. You know, it's a, and it's very inspiring man, to, to talk to you and, uh, and hear about your journey and what you're doing and your passion. It makes me want to do more, you know, and I think it's really important. And it's awesome that we surround ourselves with people like that who, who make us want to do more and push us to do more in a positive way. Not because we're being forced, but it's like, Hey man, you know, this guy's doing amazing yeah, things. Yeah. I want to do it too. You and, know, and we share the experiences and, you know, help each other continue to just, you know, pull that back in. And, and I think that's, what's awesome is this is a sport and, and community that brings people together. And, you know, even with other people, like you just live and learn and, and share knowledge. And it's so cool to, to see that spread. And, and yeah, once again, Jared, appreciate all the kind words and uh, thank you so much for your time today. And, and for all of you guys listening, uh, stay tuned. We're going to uh, film for the rest of all of the coaches on team Nori. So you'll get to hear uh, some of our newer additions uh, on, on our uh, roster, our, our younger guys, Aiden, and Eric will get a chance to talk over them. And, and Sean himself will uh, hopefully have an opportunity to, to share more just about things you guys may, might not have heard about them. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Awesome. All right, guys.